Hello, you're listening to the C to Z of movies. My name's Colin. I'm the C. With me, as ever, is Zijan, who is the Z. How are you, Zijan? Hey, Colin. I've just been watching Planet Earth 2. It's awesome. Planet Earth 2? Is this the, the sequel to Planet Earth? Uh, yes. Is it is it about a different Planet Earth? Or is it about our same Planet Earth it's again? It's about the same Planet Earth, but more about it. Okay, the, the bits they forgot last time. Like the pronunciation of sloth. They, they didn't discuss the pronunciation of sloth at all on the previous... No, uh, definitely. Apparently it's pronounced sloth. That's the right way of pronunciation. Well, what a great segue it is between Fantastic Beasts and, and the stuff you were just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we rehearsed this stuff. Um, <laughs> so on the podcast uh, this time, we're talking mostly about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Uh, yay. The, the yay the new uh, new film in the harry potter franchise we're also talking mm-hmm. a bit about colin farrell who's in that film uh, we're talking about dumbledore who uh, may or may not be in that film and uh, we're talking about aaron sorkin who's got absolutely nothing to do with that film and much much more um first as ever we're talking movie news Sijan, hit me with some movie news disney news so i thought in my remember movie, the last yeah. time when i told you that the beauty and the beast teaser trailer was the most watched teaser trailer in all of YouTube within the first 24 hours. I do remember that, yeah. yes. Guess which trailer became the most watched within the first 24 hours. Is it the trailer for Rogue One? Unfortunately, no. So Fifty Shades Darker had 114 million. Fifty Shades Darker? Really? Yeah, it's popular, Colin, keep up. Star Wars The Force Awakens just after that with 112 million. Right. But leading it is Beauty and the Beast again. With 127.6 million views in the first 24 hours. And how many of them were you? Uh, about 10. 10 million? Um, 20. <laughs> it was I, brilliant. I, I watched it once, all the way through. And what did you think of it? Um, I thought, I'm not going to see this film. Did the, the teapot scare you? The teapot did scare me, and the clock. Uh, also, I, I have no interest whatsoever in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I've never seen the original. Oh, come on, Colin. It's classic. I'm not going to watch the, uh, the is it the French language version that's also been yeah. made? It was made. I think it was made a few years ago, actually. Well, I saw a trailer for it and it conned me into thinking this was the, I thought I haven't seen Emma Watson yet. This is strange. Uh, <laughs> that, that would explain uh, that. Did you know the trailer is uh, a one for one, almost one for one replication of the Disney trailer? Is it really? How lazy. <laughs> of the original Disney trailer. So, um... There was there's this channel I remember, on YouTube which did a um, side by side comparison between the original trailer and the current um, trailer, and it's oh, yeah. pretty much the same. Even um, the words was exactly the same. Really? So, so this is what 127 million people wanted to watch, is it? Because it's Beauty and the Beast. Because it's awesome. It's you know how you should not judge a book oh, you, by its cover. You're gonna make us do an episode of this, aren't you? Yes. Oh, oh, I'm gonna Next year, March, Colin. Oh, boy. Maybe I'll get someone to sub in for me that week. Get ready. Uh, okay, well, speaking of trailers, um, the Ghost in the Shell trailer has finally arrived. They they did a, a whole bunch of really weird teaser trailers where they, they kind of showed maybe literally like two seconds mm-hmm. of the film. And they, they released, I don't know, five of those. But they finally put out the, uh, the trailer with Scarlett Johansson in her very strange kind of flesh-coloured bodysuit. Jumping around. Do you know what Ghost in the Shell is about? It's about Asian people. Oh, wow. Well done, Colin. Thanks broadly. Except, except that it's not because they want people to watch the film. So it's all about Western people in Asia. 
I believe there's a there's a ghost and uh, and a shell. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And and lots of lots of fighting probably. Um, I think it feels right. like it's one of those. Is that what you got from the trailer? I, it's one of those films I'm sure where the the, the hero will will uh, forget everything they thought they knew. Aha. Uh-huh. Um. So the anime. So um, I may be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure it's about the future where people can transfer their souls into machines. I see, I see. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm I'm more likely to watch that one. Than Beauty and the Beast? Than Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Hey, if if Scarlett Johansson was in Beauty and the Beast, I'd be all over it. (laughs) Is that true? Is that true? If we make Scarlett Johansson go into Beauty and the Beast, she can be, she could be the talking teapot, Colin. Oh, she she probably is voicing something, and she does a lot of voice acting these days. Mm. Uh, no, I take that back. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Harley Quinn? I, I know of her. Uh, they're making a movie from it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And Margot Robbie is set to produce. Yes. Yeah. And now they're bringing together a collection of female heroes and villains under the Birds of Prey header. Okay. And she's going to headline it. Um, it's just all going to be very female-centric and uh, usually features like Black Canary and... It's Batgirl. He's... Yeah. Yep. Batgirl is in it yeah. as well. You're right. Excellent. Uh, Supergirl probably not. No, Supergirl is too powerful. Mm. So it's the more less powerful female comic book here. Okay. Oh, fair, mm. fair play to him. I do have a good segue to the next news item because that is a, a female... Um, a female-led group film. What's the word I'm looking for? What's the word when you have a lot of different people in a, in a cast? Uh, ensemble. That's the word yep. I'm looking for. Um, which leads nicely to Ocean's Eight, which we've been talking about off and on for for a few months. Mm-hmm. But uh, news is that Matt Damon is going to be cameoing in Ocean's Eight <laughs> as his uh, as his Ocean's Eleven character. That is good, though. Yeah, it ties it to the uh, to the main one. Apparently, he's not read the script yet, but he reckons it's going to be good fun. So, is he just an an outsider? I get the, uh, he's outside. I get the feeling he's just going to be a, a fairly brief cameo from what he was saying, but uh, who knows? I, I was, also, I haven't worked out when in time this is set. Presumably, it's a it's a sequel. Is it a sequel? I thought it was a prequel. I thought they're doing eight, nine, ten to um, before eleven, twelve, thirteen. Well, who knows? Not us. Um, <laughs> Clearly, we'll, we'll find out. And we'll find out next year, I guess. And let you guys know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keep coming back each fortnight, <laughs> and eventually we'll tell you. The, Speaking about movie franchises... Okay, okay. Uh, 20th Century Fox has made some decisions about the future of the X-Men movie franchise. All right, hit me. And the Hollywood Reporter is saying that the reset butter, uh, button has been pressed. The the, the reset butter? But it's a little bit nicer than the reset margarine, but it's more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. A, a, a little bit. Yeah, you can't believe that it's not butter. I, I can't. I know, right? <laughs> so, with the series of movies not being outright, oh, have, have Fox have Fox actually bought a, like, a button and stuck <laughs> on the wall and reset? Well, <laughs> probably a big red button as well, saying reset on it. Yeah, with a big X across it. Yeah. It, it won't be rebooted, but it will be reconfigured, whatever that means. Because I'm sure in in uh, Apocalypse, which I think we both agreed was a bit disappointing, yeah. um, they brought a whole, whole new cast of kids who are playing the kind of the younger X-Men. Yeah. And they were clearly being set up for a franchise. I'd, I'd be surprised if they chucked them out because they, I mean, they, the actors themselves didn't get badly reviewed, I mean. No, but they weren't particularly that charismatic either. 
No, it's true, it's true. And you'd have to, I mean, they were building up Jennifer Lawrence and James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender still to be the the leaders. Well, the Jennifer Lawrence, there's no way Jennifer Lawrence is coming back to this no. franchise, is there? I'm also quite glad to see an X-Men film without the same usual conflict between Mito and Professor X again. Like, the same one for the past yeah, six films. Yeah. Over and over again. I just get over it. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm a fan of Brian Singer. I think his X-Men films... Apart from Apocalypse, are all are all good, and I like some of the other stuff as well. Like he did, um, uh, the one with the the lineup. I'm kind of, I'm quite tired today. Um, <laughs> Don't let it show, Colin. You need to be enthusiastic. What's that? What's that film? Okay, Kaiser Soze's in it. They they got the they all line up in the police lineup. No idea. I'm not cutting any of this out. <laughs> gotta get this. Is there? It's a Brian Singer film. Brian Singer directed it. Uh huh. It's got Kevin Spacey in it. Um, the whole time they're trying to market who Kaiser uh-huh. Soze is. Massive twist at the end. Our audience is probably shutting out right now. I'm sure they are. It's it's not the Untouchables, but is it's it, oh, yeah, confidential. It's not. Like, I'll tell you what. You keep talking. I'll look it up. I keep talking about something that I don't know about. I'm pretty sure I've seen <laughs> it before. <laughs> it was something I've seen before. Um, check it out. Whatever it's called. Tell you what. I'll go on to the next news story, <laughs> um, and maybe it'll come to me at some point. Uh, and you were worried that we weren't going to fill this episode. Um, <laughs> right. You're familiar with Brie Larson. Yes. Captain Marvel. Oscar-winning actress and, uh, and and Captain Marvel. Uh, she's going to make her directorial debut um, in the next year, I think, in a film called Unicorn Store. Oh, do you say directorial debut? I did say directorial debut. I heard direct toy debut. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know she was going to... Into she's the... a toy manufacturer now. Yeah. yeah. She's the new Geppetto. No, she's um, making a film called Unicorn Store, and uh, and it's recently just added uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Bradley Whitford, and Joan Cusack to the cast list. So uh, she's done well for a first-time director mm. to get some big names in there. I mean, well, Bradley Whitford will do anything these days, but Samuel L. Jackson, actually, he'll do anything. Yeah, that's the thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. She just found some people. Do you know what the story is about? Uh, I don't know anything about it. It's called Unicorn Store. Uh, I imagine it's not really about a, a shop where you can buy unicorns. That's hilarious. I would love to watch a sh- store being manned by unicorns. All right, I was thinking more you'd buy unicorns there, but you're thinking that actually the, the shop assistants will be unicorns. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to see Samuel L. Jackson playing a unicorn. It would <laughs> make good. a very good show, yeah. yeah I think so too. <laughs> Speaking about, uh, well, this is not really a good segue anyway, but okay. uh, Tom Holland. Yes, Spider-Man. Spider-Man has confirmed his contract for six more Marvel films. Well, for six Marvel six. films, not six more. Correction. Okay. Six Marvel films. So three solo movies and three other appearances. Wow. Two have already been filmed. So the first one was um, Civil War. And I remember. The second one was um, is uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. So he has two more solo films and two more appearances. So I assume the appearances would be Infinity War, but you'll never know with Marvel these days anyway. He may just show up in... You know, the next Ant Man or yeah. Captain Marvel, so who knows? I have one piece of news left, Susan. How many pieces of news left do you have? Uh, a few, but you can go. I can okay. skip this. <laughs> let me tell you a story, okay? <sighs> okay, um, okay. Let me let me get comfortable first. Yep. Uh, is this a long story, Colin? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, will this put you to sleep, Colin? No, it's 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 full of excitement. Uh, this story. <laughs> Okay, okay. Do you know the actress Emilia Clarke? Yes, I do. She is in Game of Thrones. 
she's in Game of Thrones. Uh, a Sunday Times journalist by the name of Stephen Armstrong uh, wrote us, uh, or did an interview with her a couple of years ago, well, a year and a half ago, and said uh, she's on the cusp of being the most famous British actor of all time. Yeah, you've mentioned this in a previous podcast. I may well have done. I took issue with this. With this, I said, yes, well, what about... you took issue with this in a previous podcast as well, Colin. Well, not everyone listens to all the podcasts. No. Um, <laughs> you don't have to keep re- repeating everything we've said. What about Hugh Grant? What about Cary Grant? We have material. And we have material. I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm getting somewhere with this. Don't worry. Um, anyway, and, and Charlie Chaplin. I took Charlie Chaplin as one, an example of, uh, of possibly the most famous British actor of all time. Anyway, it's a year and a half later. I, I let Stephen Armstrong know a, a year after the date, that, uh, after he's first made these claims, because we'd had this arrangement that if she was indeed the most famous actor uh, in the world, or most famous British actor in the world, I would pay him £20. Um, we arranged to meet at King's Cross Station in London, which by going rate would cost me about three times that amount to get to, but still. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, he tweeted me uh, yesterday to say that he is back in the game um, because Amelia Clark has just landed the lead female role in the Han Solo spin-off film. Will you say that was worth it, that story? Okay. <laughs> I was expecting more, I'll be honest. I don't know, I don't know what you expect. So, who, what's the name of um, the guy who's playing Han Solo? Alden? Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, Alden Ehrenreich. So, she'll be the lead. Yes, I think last time, maybe time before, we, we, we said there's um, a short list of three. Yeah, and uh, and that's what we were told. But apparently, uh, apparently there wasn't a shortlist of three because she wasn't on that list. Or at least, if there was a shortlist of three, they rejected them all in favour of her. So mm. There you go. Well, well done, I, I'm not as big as a Star Wars fan as you are, Colin. So this news doesn't really like you know get me that excited. But I'm pretty sure you can discuss this with your friend James in a couple this, of episodes. This is a a sneak preview of a month's time where you're <laughs> you're swanning off to Malaysia. I'm on holiday! You're on holiday. Um, and Rogue One is coming out uh, on December the 15th, which yes. I'm very excited by and you don't seem to care much about. Uh, but my good friend James uh, is even more excited than I am. He's a, a huge Star Wars fan and yes. he will be subbing in for you for that episode. Thanks, James! So I'm, I'm hopeful that this is what is going to spiral us into the big time because, uh, you know... James has, is more popular than we are. Oh, yes, definitely. James has more definitely. friends than we do. He does have more friends than we do, and they like him more. Um, I feel very lonely so, now. I'm sorry, is just the way it is. Who knows, <laughs> if it goes really well, maybe this will be the C to J of movies, and we can uh, keep going that way. Oh, uh, Colin, you know I can find people with the name beginning with C better than you can finding with Z. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can keep this um, uh, this yes, podcast going. <laughs> oh, I should have I should have copyrighted that, 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 that name. And you said Z, C to Z. Mm. Oh, boy. Let's move away from the news, and let's move to our, our long-running segment, Actor Factor, uh, where we talk about the films of a particular actor and decide our favourite, our least favourite, and so on and so forth. Uh, and this time it's a man with uh, the world's greatest first name, and possibly Zijan's uh, soon-to-be uh, podcast co-host, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. I had a jingle for Actor Factor as well. You did? I can't remember how it went. Uh, no. How did it go? <laughs> uh, let's, let's forget it let's, okay. something along the lines of actor factor actor factor, actor factor. <laughs> yeah, yes let's it. do that <laughs> so I've seen one two three four five six possibly seven Colin Farrell films I have also seen seven possibly seven because I'm not sure whether I've seen Daredevil or not I can't remember alright 
<laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's start with Daredevil. Then I have I have seen Daredevil. Um, I've seen the the director's cut, which I'm told is much better than the uh, than the standard version, uh, in which Colin Farrell plays Bullseye, who is the baddie, and uh, yep. who killed Jennifer Garner, apparently. Uh, depending on which version you watch, um, no, I think he did kill her in both of them. Actually, in all the subtlety you might come to expect from that film, has a, a bullseye uh, scratched into his forehead. Um, yeah, his thing is that he can hit stuff really well <laughs> with anything, right? With anything, he gets a toothpick and kills someone with it, like that kind of thing. Mm. Do you like the film? I did actually. I think because I went in with my expectations so incredibly low, it was actually better than I uh, was anticipating. Yeah, I'd, I'd say what's the director's the cut? Film or the TV series? Oh, the TV series is much, much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah no, I think because yeah, Daredevil was a huge flop and very badly received. And yeah, it was interesting watching the DVD because you got the director saying, "Yeah, this this is my director's cut, and it fixes all these problems that went into the final film." And then you hear the producers who were kind of were in charge of the final film as it was released originally, and saying, oh, well, no, I think actually the decisions we made before were actually pretty good. So a um, bit of disagreement going on there. But yeah, Colin Farrell's fine, quite over the top, but that's what he was supposed to be in that film. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump straight to my least favourite Colin, Fir- Colin Firth, Colin Farrell film. Go on then. In Bruges. And I say ah. this because <laughs> loads of people love In Bruges. Well, I think it's absolute garbage. Uh, so it's a, Why? It's a, it's a kind of dark comedy set in Bruges. I, yes. just, I, I just didn't find it funny in the least. And I guess that's the problem. If you don't find it's a comedy funny. It's pretty dark, isn't it? So I'm, I have seen In Bruges before, um, but only because oh, yeah. um, everyone is speaking so much, so highly about it. Yeah. And I, I heard the hype. So, um, you know, when I was a student, I was watching it from the confines of my laptop. And the right. only thing I could clearly remember from In Bruges is that I, it was so difficult for me to understand the Irish accent. Right. It was so, so difficult. Okay, so In Bruges came about came around about the same time that I came to the UK, I think. Uh, the Irish accent is pretty strong in that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did come out from the film with the same impression as you did, that I did not understand what the hype was all about. So I, I understood what they were saying, I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, what what other Colin Farrell films have you seen? Uh, so the thing is, uh, with most of this Colin Farrell f- Colin Farrell films that I've watched, um, he was not the star actor in yes, his films. Yes, very true. He's yeah, usually he's... like the um, supporting actor. So I've seen Minority Report and yep. um, he plays an agent, I think, who gets killed early yes. on. Um, I've seen... Yeah. Does he get killed? I've seen... It's been a while since I've seen Minority Report. Yeah, yeah. He was the one who suspected um, Tom Cruise's character was being framed. I remember that bit. Yeah, and he was shot and killed. Yeah. Okay. Spoilers. Yeah. So the next thing I've seen him in, which he wasn't a star, was um, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Oh yes. Yeah. Have you seen that before? I've not seen it. He was yeah. he was one of the people subbing in for Heath Ledger, wasn't he? Yeah. So this film was shot when um, uh, Heath Ledger was around, and Heath Ledger died uh, mid-film. Um, instead hmm. of scrapping the film, they replaced uh, his character with um, three different actors. So apart from Colin Farrell, there was um, Johnny Depp and Jude Law. Oh, yes. And, and this film was um, surprisingly very enjoyable. Maybe it was okay. more because um, it was Heath Ledger's last film as well. You you tend to be be more compassionate, I think. 
to the film. Okay, itself. more forgiving of you. Yeah, more yeah. forgiving. Yeah, that's the word for it. More forgiving for it. And I thought it was done really well. It's um, based on there's this um, Imaginarium, which is this mirror. Um, right. And Dr. Parnassus is this guy who makes a deal with the devil that he can collect souls through this mirror. When anyone goes into this mirror, they'll okay. get presented with a choice of either enlightenment or gratifying ignorance. Right. And Parnassus um, choose, um, is the one, the voice that leads to enlightenment and the devil leads to ignorance. So it depends on who can lead um, the characters into which path. And okay. it's pretty much a game. I thought it was very good. Um, it, the visuals were stunning. I liked it. So uh, I've got a few on the list again where he, yeah, he wasn't the star. So um, mm. Crazy Heart, which was a, oh, what was his name? Jeff Daniels. Not Jeff Daniels, just something else. I've not seen that uh, before. Um, it was, no, it was about um, a kind of an old country rocker who had a had a bit of a comeback. Um, it, it was Jeff, Jeff something, Big Lebowski, that guy. It's going really well today. And Colin Farrell had a minor role in that, which I don't really remember. Uh, he was in Saving Mr. Banks, which was the um, the one about P.L. Travers. Yeah, who wrote Mary Poppins. And... That's on my list as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, because he, he played her father in Flashback, which I thought he did very well. Yeah, he did as well. Uh, I like the film. Yeah, it's decent, isn't it? He's a more serious role for him than uh, than a lot of the stuff I've seen him in. He plays an alcoholic, isn't he? Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Um, I'm, I'll slowly remember all the stuff that I forgot before. <laughs> The Brian Singer film's called The Usual Suspects, by the way. Uh, well done. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's slip that in right back to the front again. That's, that's a kind of reward for all the people who were shouting Usual Suspects at the speakers um, before. <laughs> have you seen Horrible Bosses? I have seen Horrible Bosses. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot, a lot more than I was expecting to. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> it's pretty much the reverse of In Bruges, isn't it? Um, yeah, why not? As in, like, in, in terms of, like, expectations again, um, how we enjoyed it. And I thought he was the best in that. He's a very kind of grotesque character. He was. He was. Um, he was the boss of what, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, yeah. I believe. Mm. And yeah, he's. I, I liked his uh, hairstyle as well. He pretty much like, yes. <laughs> gelled his hair backwards. That was awesome. I love that. Um, and then I think the only one where he was the star that I've seen was uh, Phone Booth, which is a, oh, okay. a fa- yeah fascinating film. Basically, this, have you seen it? Uh, no. It's one of his first films, isn't it? It's fairly early on, yeah. I think it'd be after Minority Report, I thought. But um, yeah, basically, there's this phone ringing, and he picks it up, and the guy who's, who answers it, or sort of the guy he's speaking to, on it says, um, well, "I'm going to shoot you if you hang up." Basically, yeah. Um, I'm, and then it kind of it must be very very low budget because it all plays out just uh, around that phone booth, pretty much the entire film. Um, so when you're in that kind of situation, you've got to be fairly clever about your directing, I think, to make it stay interesting throughout. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's decent. Um, the only film I've seen that he was a star in was um, Total Recall. Oh, yes. Yeah, which was a remake of the 1990 film of the same name. How was it? Uh, very forgettable. Which is ironic for a film called Total Recall. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, but yeah, very forgettable. Okay. Right, so I think we, uh, is it fair to say that we agreed that In Bruges is the worst? Yeah, I think so too. I just couldn't understand his Irish accent. It was really strong. Yeah. And what are we going for the best? Uh, I think uh, I like Saving Mr. Banks a lot, but I like Imaginarium a lot as well. Well, I've seen Saving Mr. Banks. I thought it was good, so let's go with that. Yeah. There we nice. go. Defin- okay. Definitive. On to the next segment. It's uh, it's Fantastic Beasts 
and where to find them. Yes. Uh, we're going to do the same thing we usually do, which is we'll go spoiler-free for a bit. Uh, no spoilers, and then at some point we'll say spoilers, and then we'll talk about spoilers. Okay. Uh, go for it. What do you think? Oh, I loved it. Excellent. There I we go. Uh, yeah. Tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should explain to our listeners uh, who may not have seen the film what it's about. Yeah. Okay, so it's about Newt Scamander, yep. played by Eddie Redman, and he is, oh, what's the name of his career? A zoo... A, a magizoologist. A magizoologist, yeah. He he basically takes care of um, beasts, magical beasts. Fantastic beasts, if you will. Fantastic beasts. And basically the plot follows him into uh, New York. This was quite early days, so about the ni- early 1900s. Uh, I think it's 1920s. Really. Oh, early in the 1920s. Um, he arrived in New York, and something strange is happening in New York. And yes. He found himself in the middle of it. That's, is that a spoiler-free as I can go? <laughs> that, 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 that sounds good to me. Yeah. So you loved it. Yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed it a great deal myself, I have to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Eddie Redmayne, I think, was a great lead. He's a, fan, well, he's, he's a great actor. He's got his Oscar for uh, The Theory of Everything. Um, I think he's proved himself already so there's kind of a, a good person to, to lead it but he's not too kind of he's not a massive name he's not kind of like a Brad Pitt or a Tom Cruise or something where you're constantly thinking him of him as being the actor rather than the character he, mm. he blended very well into the role of Newt yeah apparently he was chosen because he, um, the director thought he plays outcast really well and he does he really does most uh, all the films okay. that he's done as outcast he does really well and he, he has that very you know earnest look about it can you tell me some of the films where he's played Outcast? Um, the Stephen Hawking film. Okay, yes, I'll take uh, it. The the Danish girl. Okay, fine. Yeah, to name a few. He was very good in Les Mis. I'm not sure if he's an Outcast in that. Yeah, not really. He was the popular one. Yeah, apparently he's terrible in um, Jupiter Ascending. But I've not seen that. <laughs> Maybe he was an Outcast there. That's why. That'd be the problem. Yes. <laughs> Um, how about the rest of the cast then? So we had um, uh, Catherine Waterston, I think was her name, playing Tina. Yeah. We had, uh, oh, I can't remember the actor's names. We had a chap called uh, Kowalski. Yes, I do have the actor's name, actually. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan Fogler. Of course it is, yeah. Dan Fogler. And there was Queenie, who was played by... Alison Sudol. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, so that was, the, that was the main few, wasn't it? Main um, four. And then you have Colin Farrell as well. And Colin Farrell, of course, uh recently of actor factor fame yeah so i i have not heard of these supporting actors um before i've seen this film like i have no idea where Catherine waterstone came from i have no idea yeah i was i was looking her up actually because i thought she was great i I really liked um really liked her in this and uh, in fact i have seen her in steve jobs which maybe uh links nicely to the aaron sorkin segment we're doing later because she have, have you seen steve jobs i've not seen steve jobs no Okay, uh, she played his wife in that. Um, so she, she looked quite different, so I didn't recognise her. I had to look it up. Uh, so I thought she acted really well, but I thought the her character arc was a bit unbelievable because they gave her so many things to do because she was involved in everything from the beginning to the end. So it felt like they were trying to, I don't know. Is it, This feels like stuff that... Might, maybe we should come back to that in spoilers. Yeah, that's the uh, thing, because I, I, I feel like I can't express myself properly without spoiling anything. Yeah, we can get back to it. You know my feelings about a romantic subplot? I'm all over it. Uh, and, love, that, love that stuff. 
Um, I have to say that the romantic subplot between Jacob Kowalski and Queenie was brilliant. I love that. Uh, okay, I, I preferred the the uh, the Newt and uh, Tina one no, myself, but I, uh, no, I thought it was a bit unearned, unfortunately. Wow, well, I agree to disagree. Um, yeah, because I, I I think I like uh, I I think the characters of both um, Jacob and Queenie were brilliant in this film. You see things I, I didn't. I, I liked all the main four, but I think Queenie was probably the one I liked the least of okay. them. I didn't. Um, we'll come back to again to that in spoilers, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we ever do come back when we say we'll come back. <laughs> we... Well, we'll find out soon enough. Um, let's talk about the, the the beasts. Did you think they were fantastic? Oh, they're awesome. They were amazing. They were amazing. I mean, when we walked through the menagerie. Nice word. Uh, within the suitcase, yeah. Um, my, yes. I think my, 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 my face was... I had a big smile plastered on my face the entire time. Mm. So, uh, yes, for those people who, who didn't know where to find the Fantastic Beasts, they're all in the suitcase. I think that was fairly clear from the trailers. That's not, that's not a spoiler. Um, yeah, I, I, have you read the book? No, I've not. So, so originally it was published, it's a very thin kind of book, it was just for charity, and it wasn't a novel or anything, it was just a list of beasts and kind of descriptions of them. I don't think there are any pictures, but kind of amusing um, things. like So the Niffler, which is in, in the film, which actually was mentioned in the main Harry Potter books as well, the Niffler... Um, kind of a mole-like creature which tries to steal valuable things. So that that's in the book and kind of talking yeah. about uh, where where they come from, what they, what they're like, kind of the weird traits. And I didn't, I haven't checked whether the the beasts in this film were actually mentioned in that book or whether they're completely created for this because there's a whole range. I say nifflers and, and there's a bow truckle as well, which I think was in the yeah. Um, they're the guardians of uh, one trees, I think. Ah, right. Um, and I, I imagine some of it must have been completely fresh mm. but uh but, but yeah no i, I enjoyed uh i enjoyed the, the range of beasts i didn't think they went too far the nifflers are very cute yeah the nifflers are very cute the visuals were stunning though didn't you think yeah i'm mean, to be honest th- these days you kind of expect them to be so uh, i mean it, it was it was fantastically well done i liked the fact that although it was a lot of cgi it wasn't kind of well, most of the time, at least, it wasn't CGI for CGI's sake. Mm. You kind of felt that it was all still being character-driven. Things like, we talked about Doctor Strange before, or things like Suicide Squad or elsewhere, there's massive CGI bits that kind of feel tacked on to show how great the CGI is. Mm. And I didn't feel that that was the case in this one at all. I think the thing about this film that I liked a lot about is that compared to all the other films which had a huge following, and because many people have read the books already, this one had a yeah. fresh slate to play with. Yeah, yeah, and they actually did a really strength. good job yeah. given the flash this this fresh slate that they have. Although it's really dark, I, it's not for kids. I don't think it's for kids at all. It is very dark. I read a review saying, "Oh, this is this is really like like the first Harry Potter films." No, I don't know who they were. I don't know who they were kidding. I, I when the, the trailer any, is sure, and I wouldn't let anyone below the age of twelve watch this film without parental supervision. How how many people under the age of twelve do you have uh, have <laughs> rulership over? <laughs> or are you just you just gonna stand out stand None. outside the cinema and say, I, I don't know what the rating is, but it's it's true though. I don't think this is not for kids. It's not a film for kids at all. Yeah, because because a lot of kids around me, they didn't seem too too scared. The ones in the cinema, and maybe they're desensitized now in this modern age. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we are just very maybe. sensitive souls, Colin. That's probably what it is. That's probably what it is. Yeah, but going back to what you said about uh, how it was a fresh start, I think because because it wasn't trying to adapt a book, I thought it could flow a lot better. So I, I liked most of the Harry Potter films, but particularly towards the end, I think, well, not the end, but maybe books four, five, six, 
there's so much in the books they're trying to get in and they've got to skip things out and it feels almost like here's a bunch of scenes from the book that we've put together yes just because Uh, and and it works well but kind of if you haven't read the books i think you'd be a bit lost whereas this one they can start from scratch jk rowling wrote the screenplay herself which is which is fantastic i think it's great to have her uh, back and board, but she could write it as a film rather than adapting something, and I think that was a great strength mm. of it. And it reminded me a little bit of The Force Awakens in that it's a franchise everyone loves, but with a whole new cast that no one knows, and yet they, they stand they stand by themselves. Mm. And I, I I want to know more about what happens to Newton. Yeah, me too. Though, to although Kyle I there's a bit of me which would be happy that this is just the only film that Newt is in. And they don't drag it on. Oh, really? Something, yeah. I don't know why. It's just that this feels, this film feels very conclusive. And I like the ending. And I will not be satisfied <laughs> until he and Tina are married. Oh my that's god! That's the point at which I will. Jeez. <laughs> ah, that is just ah. Oh, that side plot is so tag on. Can we go to spoilers now? Let's go to spoilers. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my my issue with um the character arc of Tina which is played okay. by Catherine Waterstone, was that I think it just changed too much and too quickly within this whole confines of the film because she started off as a so she was a, demoted yeah, aura. So she's an aura, who's, she's an aura who's been kicked out because she attacked, well, she, she showed magic in front of uh, a woman who, it's kind of like a classic kind of Puritan witch burner type character yeah. who's, they call themselves the, the new Salemers yes. or Salemites, was it? Yep. Um, so they're trying to get rid of witches and wizards. Which is again quite a dark subplot. But this was nineteen twenties, though. Yeah, and, and it works. And I think she's made reference before on Pottermore and stuff about kind of the American attitude to, to witches and wizards. But things like the the younger daughter is a kind of limp haired blonde girl, which is kind of classic out of uh, your nineteen thirties horror, not horror maybe, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, horror, kind of um, demon possessed kids and all that stuff. Yeah, so it felt. Well, I know we're jumping around a bit, but what I I couldn't work out whether Tina was supposed to be um, Ezra Miller's sister. Did that get revealed? Yeah, they were sisters. They they did reveal that. They did. I thought they. I, I thought it was fairly clear, but I didn't remember it actually being specifically said. Anyway, so she was an aura until she revealed magic in front of these people, and so they kicked her out. Seems like a central arc so yeah, far. Yeah, and then suddenly she wanted to catch Newt, and she was very adamant about it. Because she wants to get it back in the good books of uh, her bosses. Which she failed to do that twice. And then after that, she got sent to the pensive, I think. The giant pensive. I would put it that way. Yeah, which is, which is apparently how they kill people in America. Yeah. And then she sort of breaks down. And then suddenly, oh, let's help Newt now. And then, oh, I think we've fallen in love with him. Like, it's pretty much... I think it's just too quick and I, too dramatic. I disagree entirely. <laughs> um... With the confines of two and a half hours, I think it's just too sudden. You know how I feel about romantic subplots. That's why you have um, a second romantic subplot. You don't care about this. I, I very much do. Um, well, I didn't care too much about the other ones. We can agree to disagree on this, Colin. Let's do that. We're going to have to, aren't mm. we? We're going to have to. Yeah, so, so Kowalski then, he's a he's a muggle, or as they call him in America, a nomad. Mm. Which um, is a horrible name. It's like, it is. Oh, let's well, think of something to call them. Uh, they can't do any magic, right? No magic. Oh, let's put those two words together. No match. <laughs> I think J.K. Rowling is ran out is of subtly, ideas. Uh, I, I think I think that's a dig at America. I think that's a uh, <laughs> that's a kind of a British. Um, we we're, we're better than you guys thing going on. I think that's what's going on there. Uh, anyway, he he uh, he witnesses 
some magic happening because he does the old he does the old accidental okay, suitcase switcheroo. That's that's the oldest uh, oldest trick in the in the so cinematic. Along, I'm sure right? Charlie Chaplin was doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he sees some magic escapes. Turns out he's got the suitcase with all the beasts in it, so they have to track him down. I like his character a lot. He is very likable. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He wants to uh, open a bakery, as we all do. Yeah. And uh, and he's sick of his job in the mines or whatever it was he was doing. No, canning factory, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was in canning factory. He acts as a proxy to the audience. He does, because we all, we're all tired of making canned goods, aren't we? <laughs> Not about the canned goods bit, but, you know, you <laughs> learn about the magical world because we, it's, a new, it's a new film. No one knows much about this film, so we have to learn along. Yeah. And he acts as a proxy. And they do seem to have added things... Yes, he does. He does. They've added things that I don't remember being in Harry Potter before. So things like Queenie being a mind reader. I don't know whether we'd had mind readers in the no, Harry Potter are. world before. The legitimate uh, Voldemort was one. That's why they had to was teach really? um, Harry Potter how to block him out from his mind. Oh, of course he did. Of course they did. Yeah. Yes, I remember. Um, so we have seen that before, but maybe not from a nice person before. Well, Snape did it a bit, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, but I liked her as well. I think she had, she brought this kind of nice quirk to the film that I, I liked a lot. And I was really sad when he, when you know, when he went out into the rain and um, lost his memory. Yeah. So at the end, the uh, they basically they obliviate everyone, everyone by having some sort of uh, venom in the in the rain, yep. makes everyone forget what's going on. Yeah, I, I wasn't too bothered. Well, it turns out it didn't really work on him, did it? Big big twist at the end, where he's in his bakery making a fantastic beast out of pastry, yeah. and then he sees Queenie and smiles and. Books himself a couple more films in the I series. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> for for a person who advocates romantic subplots, Colin, you are for some reason against this one. Well, uh, you, you can root for those guys. I'll root for the other ones, okay. and we'll see. Uh, we'll see which one pans Fine. out. So the how are the the uh, Ezra Miller storyline? Ezra Miller is the uh, the kid with the the pudding bowl haircut who who is the son of the witch hunter type woman and the brother apparently of Tina. Uh, and it turns out he is a, wo- a wizard who is uh, pushing down his wizarding, wizarding powers. Yep. Um, and and this apparently, which I'm pretty sure we never saw in any Harry Potter thing before, turns you into a big black smoky death Obscurus. thing. That's the one. Yeah, Ezra Miller has a very unique look about him, doesn't he? He has that. I don't know what to place him. He, you you can't forget that that face. Yeah. No, he's and he's he's played dark before. I've I've not seen. We need to talk about Kevin, but he was in that, and that was a very dark film. Um, well, he's playing the Flash, which is not dark at all. In fact, it's basically the comic relief in in Justice League. So I've been to see how he does that. Uh, he, yeah. Uh, other than on, on the one hand, that felt the whole thing about turning into the what's that? Ob- oblivious? Is it oblivious? Yeah. Anyway, Obli- uh, it's a obscurus. Obscurus. The whole thing about turning into that felt a bit odd. But they kind of introduced it well within the confounds of the film, didn't they? They kind of gave you yeah. some examples of it. And I, I completely fell for it because I thought it was the little girl all the way through, oh, as we were supposed no, to. No, no, no. I, I actually thought the little girl was a red herring. Did you? Yeah, you did better I than did, me, though. Yeah, halfway yeah. through when it, was, it became a bit too too um, obvious on the nose every time they keep referring to her. Yeah, I guess because it, I thought it's, it's largely a kid's film. I thought they were just being nice to the kids. Um, <laughs> nah, but obviously... But so. those bits were really dark, though, and I, I can... Incredibly dark. I, yeah. I know some of the filming sequences were filmed in a way of a horror film. Do you realise that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I felt I passed like, oh, wow. You know, when when she was picking up the belt and the camera followed the way the belt 
and then it slowly follows yeah, her yeah. all the way back up again. And that was like a typical horror sequence in a yeah. horror film. Yeah, and, kind of, and the shadows up the, the stairs and all that. Um, it surprised me because I we, we know there's going to be four more of these films. Yeah. Which I, for one, I, I'm on board. I, I like these characters. I'd like to see where they go next. But I thought they tried to fit a lot into this film. And I, I'd have been tempted to kind of put the Ezra Miller stuff into the next film. I think have this one about finding all the beasts, have them about finding there's something going on, drop some hints about what it might be, and then leave the... And I know that doesn't give you the big dramatic spectacle in the final finale, which I guess is why they kept it all in I, here. I, I agree with you there, because I actually yeah. thought some of the transitions between the scenes and the moods was a bit jarring, because there, there are some severe changes mm. in tones. Because there's one bit where I was smiling... Um, happily while in a menagerie looking at all this um, beast and all that and then suddenly you switch directly into this dark horror film yeah it was and I'd, I'd have I'd have probably left that to the next or I, I include some of it kind of in fact I thought to be honest I thought this is what they were going to do this, they still have the Ezra Miller character and still have the Colin Farrell character but kind of don't don't uh, conclude that storyline until the next one yeah it felt really sudden there wasn't a good balance I think I thought between you know the funny bits and the very dark bits. It just didn't gel really well into a proper film, I thought. Well, you, so, you, so you love it, but you don't think it was a proper no, film. No, I loved it, wow. but I, yeah, the, the bits I love, but I thought that, you know, the editing could be better. Yeah, fair. fair. Although I think, although I, I do agree, I think it wasn't as as heavy-handed as, say, Age of Ultron is what I'm comparing it to, because Age of Ultron had to set up lots of different films. And I think really... I, I think there's bits of that film that are fantastic, and I, and I do really like it. But the, it it was very very obvious and quite clunky when they were setting things up. Um, and this one, Fantastic Beasts, whilst they did set some things up, I thought it was generally managed fairly well. There, it wasn't kind of filled with too many. Here's what's going to happen next yes. moments. I, there, I do agree there are a with few, that. But obviously there'll be exposition because it's a brand new film and all that. Yeah. But they did it really well in that sense. Yeah, it's the only the tones, the the mix of tones that I I have a slight complain about but a very tiny yeah. one, really and i also particularly didn't care about you know um the senator's father and brother i thought they were so unnecessary in already a bloated film with so many new characters like why do you need to introduce them and in, and put them in it's not a big spotlight or yeah. anything but they had a role and i thought well, you could just yeah, do it without and i imagine that uh, i imagine the one that survives at least is going to be in the next one, I spent quite a lot of time work out where I knew him from, and he, he plays a, a priest in the in the sitcom Moon Boy. Oh, the one that you lent it to me, but I didn't watch. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So I spent ages trying to think, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Um, but yeah, there, there were references to Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, there were there was a reference to his the the picture he carries around of a uh, is it Lita Lestrange, Rita Lestrange, something like that. Yeah, so Lita one Lestrange. Of the, one of the Lestrange family. So presumably. Bellatrix Lestrange's sister, aunt, or mother, or was well, too. I thought probably too um, old to be sister. Mm, possibly if it's set in the twenties, mm. um, but certainly some relative. relative yeah. So, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with. And that was very much left as a kind of. We'll we'll talk more about that later. And the biggest like, plot change of all when Colin Farrell, yeah, so, turned into Johnny Depp. Oh, did you see that one coming? No. I didn't see that one coming at all. And how did he find out anyway? How did Newt know? Um, I don't know. Did yeah, he know? That's my question throughout the, throughout the end. was like, so how did he know enough to cast the spell revealer onto um, Colin Farrell's character? Ooh, that's a good question. There was Maybe. no indication of that. I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of that. Maybe um, 
maybe we'll find out. Or maybe it's just a convenient bit in the plot. But yes, I, I hadn't thought this isn't, isn't the first time that Johnny Depp and Colin Farrell have played the same character after your reference to uh, the imaginary of Dr. Bonazos. Yep. There you go. Because I knew Johnny Depp was in it, and unfortunately I had read a review which gave away that he was Grindelwald, or Grindelwald, <sighs> which I, I I kind of didn't want to know uh, going in. But yeah, I, I think it was very clear that Colin Farrell's character, well, I thought he was a follower of Grindelwald because he, he had the, the symbol, didn't he, on the necklace? Yes, the Hallows. I can say I, I gasped when I saw that. And, ah, because right. <laughs> um, I remember from the books, yeah, the the, the symbols a, a, a line inside a circle, inside a triangle is is the symbol of the Deathly Hallows, but also the symbol of Grindelwald. I'm going to alternate Grindelwald and Grindelwald um, just just to let you know. <laughs> He's German, isn't he? So Grindelwald. Well, this is the thing. Is he German? <laughs> no one knows. I, I I assumed he was, but because um, they've always had a big thing in the Harry Potter films, and we might come onto this in our Dumbledore segment. Um, that the the actors have to be the same nationality as the characters. So all the all the characters were English or at least British, apart from uh, Victor Crumb and and, uh, and what's her name? Fleur Delacour. Yeah. So I mean, Johnny Depp's American. So I'd be surprised if he's playing a German. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? I think I may have tired from seeing Johnny Depp around because during the big reveal, um, I have not read any other reviews apart from that. I was like, oh, who's this going to be? And I was like, oh, dang it, it's Johnny Depp. There's a, there's a quote in uh, in the, in the TV series Community where they describe Johnny Depp as being good in a bad way, and I think that's a fairly accurate assessment. Um, n- n- no one's saying he's a bad actor, but I don't want to see him in anything. It's... No, that's the thing. It's like, oh, oh man, it's Johnny Depp. Oh, that was my only reaction. I was like, oh, yeah. it's him again. No, I, I, d- I did know it was going to be him, so I guess. But he was a lot older than I was anticipating. Um, Grindelwald. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, knowing that it was Johnny Depp, I knew he was going to be old. But before I knew it was Johnny Depp, I thought I, I'd pictured him being kind of maybe late twenties, early thirties at this point. So it was quite a surprise mm. that he's easily fifties, isn't he? Yeah, I can't, I can't place him in the Harry Potter timeline at the moment. No, no, it's in, interesting. I, I say from, from having read the Harry Potter, it's been a while since I read them, but I thought he was going to be much younger in the in the twenties. So we're on the big, the big finale with with your with your Colin Farrells and your Johnny Depps and your Ezra Millers, I thought this is what I meant when I said that the CGI wasn't kind of taking over because that whole finale yes they had a big dramatic cgi battle but it yes. was still yeah it's all character driven it's still the people that you've come you've known come to know and love during this film and mm-hmm. doing what they might do and and seeing their reactions is not just a big big, big uh yeah exactly fight so i thought that was that was good <laughs> that's good I like I'm, it. I'm sure i mean they show it well it, in fairness it was a big fight against a green screen but it, it didn't feel like it when you watched it i think mm. right oh well, there you go i recommend it i have one gripe yeah. So in the in the suitcase, it turned out to be much bigger than than we thought it was going to be. And I know you yes. you really liked this bit. And in fairness, I did really. But he was he's got is it the Griffin that he wants to take to um to no, Arkansas? It's um, a Thunderbird. Ah, Thunderbird. He wants to take it to Arkansas. Hmm. Hasn't he basically got Arkansas in the suitcase? Just let it fly around there. What's the problem? Yeah. Uh, but it's different. It's not the same though. <laughs> it's like fake Arkansas. Well, he needs to meet with other Thunderbirds as well, right? Yeah, that's true. Thunderbirds do need each other. Mm. Um, well, there you go. I, I'm. Uh, I, I was. A, I was a fan. I'll definitely watch it again, and I'm looking forward to the next one. I will watch it again. So I'll give it an eight, maybe eight point five. Yeah, let's go. I'll, I'll go with go with an eight. Mm. Well done, J.K. Rowling. Um, you've done it again. Looking forward to more. Speaking of Harry Potter, let's move on fairly quickly. Um, fortunately, not many people replied, so we're fine. Which is good because uh, we're running out of time. Yes. Uh, who should play young Dumbledore? And this is where 
my misunderstanding of the ages may not have helped her. Because I was thinking, yeah, late late 20s, early 30s. No, I actually Googled his age before I went and researched. Oh, yeah. Oh, well done. Dumbledore was born in 1881. Ah, so it all fits. Okay. So um, okay. he'll be in the films, he'll be about 40s, mid 40s. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I asked a few friends, we, did, we didn't actually mention this last time, but it's, it's our recasting segment, but not quite recasting, because in this case, who would you want to play a young Dumbledore? Yeah. Um, we didn't actually specify that it would have to be in this film series, or so I guess it could be a, a Dumbledore prequel. So let's go with any age. Yep. Um, so my friend Jenny made two suggestions, uh, one of which was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who, who quite often appears in these things, um, on the basis <laughs> that he uh, he did very well being a young Bruce Willis in Looper, which he did. Yeah, he hasn't done anything now. I haven't seen him. What was the last he's in, he's in Snowden coming up soon, which looks very oh, good. Okay, there you go. Um, my problem with Jessica Gordon-Levitt is, is the aforementioned thing about the, the actor will have to be British, yes. uh, which which he is not. Um, she also mentioned Freddie Highmore. Ah, that's um, he was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's right. So my first instinct was, no, he's, he's really far young. too young. And then I realised that, in fact, I'm really old because that film came out like 11 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> which he, I can't quite believe, to be honest. But there you go. Um, so he's, he, uh, he's in his... Yeah, twenties. Twenties, I think. Yeah, something like that. He's starring as the lead. He's starring as Norman Norman Bates at the moment. Oh, is he in the Bates Motel TV series? Oh, is that him? Okay. Yeah. So fair play. Yes, he could. He could do a job there. Uh, Simon Marotta suggested Russell Tovey. Um, he was. Do you know Russell Tovey? Yeah, I know Russell Tovey. He was in um the the werewolf. Ah uh, yes, the, yeah yeah being human was it? Or, being no. human, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he was in History Boys. Um. Yeah, I think Simon said he would catch the rhinus well. My problem with him is his ears are really big. Um, <laughs> his ears are really big, aren't they? Uh, I don't think you can... I, I know this is the world of magic, but it's going to take a lot more than than a wand or two to persuade me that uh, that guy <laughs> grew up to be... Elvis uh, Dumbledore. Elvis Dumbledore, exactly. Uh, and my friend James uh, suggested Martin Freeman, um, which is not a... Not a bad shout. It's not a bad shout. I li- I like I love Martin Freeman. And I love the things he's done. But for me, Martin Freeman always um, gives a very aloof character, doesn't he? Which I think Dumbledore probably would have been quite aloof at this point, maybe. Yeah, he would be. He's quite eccentric, isn't he? As well. Yeah, well, it's interesting because if you look into the last Harry Potter book, Dumbledore I think was quite arrogant and and uh, saw himself as being better than those around him at that time and kind of learned humility later. Mm. So it depends on what what era of Dumbledore we're going to see. Uh, Martin Freeman's the right age, though. He is actually, isn't he? Yeah. He is. And in fact, so Martin Freeman. It's funny because I had I had a bit of a shortlist, and uh, and one of them was Benedict Cumberbatch, who I think shouldn't do it because he's so overexposed at the moment. He's done. He's everything. Yeah, Doctor Strange, Sherlock Holmes, and and I, I think it's almost too easy an answer to go he's to. Being him. another magician. Yeah. So what was if if you if you asked me five years ago. Or maybe a longer. I'd have said I'd think he's a great choice, but I think at the moment probably not. Do you want to go through some of your list before I before I jump to mine? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cause um, so because I had the the age thing going, so I was choosing oh, yeah. actors about um a certain particular age. To be fair, cause I think it made a lot more sense that way. Um, I was leaning towards Gary Oldman for a bit. Okay, um, although he did play Sirius Black. So. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah. 
So I was leaning to him for a bit. And then, um, but because of Sirius Black, it, it didn't really work out that well. <laughs> and then, yep. um, I thought, I thought he would make a good Dumbledore though, if he wasn't Sirius Black. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. I think I settled down for Ewan McGregor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because he's, Ewan McGregor has done the mentorship role before in Star Wars. Yes, he's played he's played a young Alec Guinness. Um, a young Alec Guinness. So and he's the right age as well. I've just Googled as well. I yeah. Googled all these things. He's actually forty five. He's spot on. Oh, good work. He is spot on. So I thought that he would play this quite yeah, well. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. Um and he's British, so that's that's good. Mm. So when I was going through I had I I saw I went to some younger actors, so I was looking at I, I, yeah, I ended up with Matthew Good as my choice. But I think he is probably a bit on the young side for it. Do I, do I know Matthew Good? Um, he, he I, I first came across him in The Good Wife, um, but he was he was in uh, Watchmen. I think he was Ozymandias in The Watchmen, and he uh, I think he may have cropped up in Downton Abbey at one point. I think that's what he's if I remember rightly. I've not seen any apart from Watchmen, but Ozzy Mendes was a very small role anyway. Yeah, he, it wasn't massive for him in that one. Um, yeah, he's he's got got, got a twinkle to his eye. Uh, I think he's probably I'm trying to think how old he is. He's probably late thirties, so he's not miles off. So I ended up with him. I was also thinking, and this is probably going massively on the old side. Um, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I thought of Daniel Day Lewis as well, but he is quite mature. Yeah, I mean, there's not a chance he'll he would ever do this film, um, but he's probably about the same age as Johnny Depp, isn't he? That's that's why it came to me because I think if they are going to go older, I think he he has the kind of um, seriousness to it. Yes, I don't know if he, he did the comedy. He can carry carry a film. Because well, the other thing is that if you've got Johnny Depp, you need someone of that stature at least to yes. play Dumbledore. You can't ha- you can't have him against some guy that no one's ever heard of. Uh, Empire Magazine, who have got a few more followers than we do, Zuzan, um asked the just same question. Just a few. <laughs> asked the same question on their Twitter account, and I didn't look at any of the answers apart from one, uh, which was Ben Wishaw, which I thought was a great choice. To be honest, I was... yes, he 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 does have that writing as well that um, Simon was saying, Ben Wishaw. Yeah, so I was slightly disappointed that they made such a good choice before I'd even thought about it because the <laughs> again he's on the young side though. He is a bit young. Yeah, yeah. Compared to, like, he must be around the same age as Grindelwald, right? That's Dumbledore's age. Yeah, because the film said that Dumbledore was was a teacher of, of Newt, so he's going to have to be quite a bit older than that, isn't he? Um, yes. The, the final name I have, let's, let's not spend too much time on this because we're already quite late in the day. Um, I had Alan Cumming. That's, I think, only if they're going really comedic on this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I would I would pay lots of money to watch that film. Yeah. I'm paying money to yeah. watch the film now anyway, so... yes. Well, there you go. If you're listening, Warner Brothers, um, you'd get lots of money if Alan Cumming plays Dumbledore, not just not just some money. Uh, right. I, you, you didn't have any more names you wanted to uh, to mention? No, no, no. I've, I've narrowed down mine very quickly. There you go. Uh, classic segment there on Dumbledore. If you're if Warner Brothers wants to take our suggestions, I'm very happy to act as an agent for any of the actors we've named and take 10%. I'm not sure if the actors would be happy with that, though. Probably not. Probably not. Five um, percent. Um, let's move on to the final segment. Always a popular segment with you and me, and possibly no one else. Uh, as the quiz, it's I the think quiz people like our... this segment, though. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, let us know excellent. if you like this segment, or if, or if you, or if you don't like this segment. C to Z of movies at gmail Good man. Or on the Twitter at C to Z of movies, which we are very active on. Yes, <laughs> incredibly active. 
let's do the quiz. Uh, it's all about Aaron Sorkin, who was a screenwriter. I will ask the first question. According to Sean Parker in The Social Network, a million dollars wasn't cool. What was? A million dollars wasn't cool. Oh, man. Oh. No, I don't know this. It's in the trailer. No. Uh, you, you're not, not going to guess? No, I can't even, I can't even construct okay. the thought right now what it could be. <laughs> a billion dollars. Ah. Of course. Why not? Could have shown Makes sense. From Napster. Master one. Question one. In a few good men, which law school did Lieutenant Daniel Caffey graduate from? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, these things are usually Harvard Law, so I'll go with that. Yeah, that's correct. Excellent. Uh, question two. Who won a BAFTA for Best Supporting Actress for her role in Steve Jobs? Uh, it's Kate Winslet, isn't it? Correct. Good work. One all. Uh, question two for me. Um, which actor originally selected Sorkin to write the screenplay of The American President with the intention to star but dropped out due to conflict with the director? Was that Robert Redford? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'd read that somewhere. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, two one to me. Question three is one of your favourite questions. It's about directors. Um, yep. Who directed the Sorkin films A Few Good Men and The American President? Yes. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner, good work. <sighs> to pull it level. Question three. Complete the tagline of the social network. You don't get to 500 million friends. Uh, without making a few enemies. That's right. That's a great, great. It's a great tagline. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Question four. Which baseball team is the focus of Moneyball? <laughs> Guess what? Question four is as well. <laughs> Shall we both say at the same time? Oakland Athletics. Okay. Oakland A's. There we go. Okay, your question five now. Question five. Uh, I believe that's uh, that puts me four, three ahead. So yep. if you need, need this one to stay in it. Uh, and it's a 50-50. Uh, in the film Charlie Wilson's War, is Charlie Wilson a Democrat or a Republican? <laughs> I don't know this. I'm going to guess. Uh, okay. A Democrat. Correct. Yes. Oh. No, but my last question is quite simple, though. So, um, okay. question five. Who played yep. Steve Wozniak in the film Steve Jobs? Oh, that was played by uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, correct. There you go. Well, that's our highest scoring uh, quiz of all time, I think, a 5-4 victory. Yeah, it's um, a really good score. Good times. What are we quizzing on next time, Dijon? Well, given that it's Harry Potter... Oh, yes. We've just seen Fantastic Beats, Beasts and where you can find them. I thought we can quiz on the Harry Potter film series, but because there's so many of them, let's do the first four for now. First four, okay. Uh, does that mean I need to watch the first two again? Yes. No, you don't have to. All right, Harry Potter uh, films one to four. Um, we've forgotten by, we, we, I mean, probably me, um, when we did the actor factor, I didn't ask you which actor we'll be looking at next time. <laughs> yeah, the actor that, we can, <laughs> that we're looking for next time would be... It's been a while since we've heard from him, but I just saw okay. a news article interviewing him for a while. So I thought, well, why not? Let's do him. Good old Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Wow. Okay. Um, he has made some some films. Um, <laughs> That's very kind of you, Colin. Yeah. Very, very kind. Uh, Harry Potter, Nicholas Cage, and our main topic next time, we are talking Christmas movies. Yes. So if you want to let us know your favourite Christmas movie, please do. And your um, favourite Christmas carols, because I'll be singing. 
Okay. Anything that is entire not- podcast. <laughs> Anything that's not in copyright, uh, let us know. And uh, in early December, we will be doing our Christmas special. We will awesome. see you then. Bye.